we're recording. Oh, oh, hey, how about that? Welcome back. This is Two Beards in a Bible. I'm John Swain. I'm Dave Tenney. And we're glad you joined in with us. A little bit of bonus footage there. Yeah, we us drinking coffee. <laughs> this is going to be on the, uh, the uncut, unedited reel. Right. The, the blooper reel or something. All right. So, we're at Mark 14, you say? Yep. And, uh... Verse 22 through 25. Oh, okay. I'll go ahead and read that then. Yeah. Right there. So Mark 14 at verse 22. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And then he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank from it. And he said to them, This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many. Assuredly, I say to you, I will no longer drink of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. Okay, we'll stop there. Okay. Plenty to talk about there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, uh, this is where Jesus institutes the Lord's Supper. Mm -hmm. right, so this is, uh, in the Gospels, we see this example. Um, and you know, it seems, if we're, if we're following our narrative right, Judas Iscariot is not there right now. Right. He gone. Yeah, I, I, that, that would be, that would seem to be correct. Yeah. That's another thing that, that I never really thought about. I before. never thought about it either until yeah. we're, you're just going through it chronologically. Yeah. But Judas would not have been here right. for this. And uh, think about it, he wouldn't have been qualified to do this anyway. Right. You know, so... Uh, there's two elements that he has here. Uh, he has the bread, and he has the fruit of the vine, I believe. And mm -hmm. here he just says the cup. Mm -hmm. But in other, uh, and I don't have them all written down here. I do in the back of my Bible. But mm -hmm. some of the other um, uh, parallel uh, scriptures, it, it calls it the fruit of the vine. Right. Well, I mean, if you just follow it in, in context, in, in continuity there, in verse 23, then he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank from it. And then in verse 24, and he said to them, this, pointing back to the cup, the cup is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many. So you can't, you can't shed a physical cup. True. And then assuredly, I say to you, and, and right, right along continuing in continuity, Assuredly, I say to you, I will no longer drink of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. Right. So, the cup is the fruit of the vine. Yes, it's not a yeah, it's the physical it, chalice. Or, yes, yeah. Because yeah. there are those that believe that it has to be, you know, what everyone has to drink from the same cup. Right. Yeah. And you know what? Like, if somebody had really strong feelings about that, it wouldn't bug me. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't mean, see the. I don't see the. Uh, I, I don't agree that that's the that that's what it says. No, but I don't I suppose it wouldn't stop anybody. Our, our friend Keith always uses an example. He says, uh, "He says when I ask for a cup of coffee, I'm not going to eat the container, <laughs> right? Because <laughs> I'm talking right. about what's in it, right? You know, he's not going to eat the cup. Yeah. So, and and that's one of those." Just going back to last episode, this is one of those things that people get dragged down in. Yes. Yeah. It just, I mean, I think you do have to have the proper understanding of what what Jesus is meaning there, because he, yeah. he's 
you can't put stock in a vessel. If you right. and if you if you draw that logical, if you if you apply logic to that to that kind of thinking, we would all have to gather on the first day of the week and drink from that very chalice that Christ had. Yeah, and that's not possible. Yeah, yeah. So common sense. Yeah, common sense. He's talking about the contain. You know. Yeah. You know, in the same way with the bread. He's not talking about the plate that the bread's on. Right. He's talking about the bread. Now, <clears throat> this this is something that I stumbled on this evening, and I thought this was interesting. So, <clears throat> we talk about these elements, this bread and this fruit of wine. We know the bread is unleavened bread. Mm-hmm. And let's look at Exodus 12. Because of the being Passover. Yeah. So, yeah. So I'm going to read Exodus 12. You don't have to turn if you want to, John. It's good for me. <laughs> this, is a, this is an interesting thing to think about. Exodus 12 and verse 20. He says, You shall eat nothing leavened. Nothing leavened. In all your dwellings you shall eat unleavened bread. Let me pose this question to you. Is not alcoholic wine leavened grape juice? It's a good thought. <laughs> it's a good thought. Yeah. I've never thought about that that way. I know that. No, I haven't. But leavening, you know, was something that was frowned upon. Yeah. So it takes why yeast would they to have... make bread rise and it takes yeast to make alcohol. Yeah. So stands to reason that they wouldn't have had uh, alcoholic yeah. fruit of the vine there anyway. Yeah. Probably not. It's well, one of that's those... a that's one to one to ponder. Yeah. Now that's another one of these arguments that people have about the them, where, the, where were you, Exodus? 20? Exodus uh, twelve. I went and got so excited I closed the book. And twelve at twenty. Yeah, and actually, I think I didn't read eighteen, but eighteen through twenty. But if I start at eighteen, it says, "In the first month, on the fourteenth day of the month, at evening, you shall eat unleavened bread until the first day of the month at evening." For seven days, no leaven shall be found in your houses, since whoever eats what is leavened, that same person shall be cut off from the congregation of Israel, whether he is a stranger or a native of the land. You shall eat nothing leavened in all your dwellings. You shall eat unleavened bread. It's, it's an interesting thing to consider. Mm-hmm. Although, I guess... Here I go, learning something from you again. I don't know, you know, and my my attitude is, you know, I I always felt that you, you know, although we don't, but I always felt that it was probably okay to use alcoholic wine in the Lord's Supper if that's the only thing you had. Because I was thinking, like, oh, well, there's some places where grapes probably don't grow. Yeah, I, I wouldn't. But yeah, yeah, but I know that there are there are some uh, some assemblies of the Lord's Church in other countries that do use a light, a very light wine. Yeah, for the Lord's Supper. So 
Yeah, my friend uh, was in, uh, he was working in uh, Romania, and mm -hmm. that's what they did there. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, it, it's not, uh, again, it probably wouldn't be a, a, just a, I'm sure we'll get to it someday, talking about the Lord's Supper and the, and the wine, uh, but it, you know, they didn't have wine like we have today. No. You know, they didn't have the fermentation, the, 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 the natural fermentation process like that only gets you like what, like 7% alcohol? Yeah, the difference is they didn't have the sugar content. Yeah. Because that's what makes alcohol is yeast eating sugar. Yeah. So like today to get a high alcohol wine, you'd have to have a super, super high sugar grape. Yeah. And most of the stuff you buy on the shelf today, correct me if I'm wrong, is like 14%. Probably. Yeah. And, yeah. and so that far exceeds, that doubles basically what... Probably what what could have been achieved back then. I think I mentioned this before. One time I had some pear juice, which is pretty sweet, right? Uh -huh. Pears are sweet. And uh, I fermented it, and uh -huh. I bought this thing called a vino meter that measures alcohol content. And that pear juice only fermented to like 7% alcohol. Yeah. So, and then I let it turn to vinegar. Okay. And then I threw that away because it was no good. <laughs> but, I, I had the bright idea of uh, trying to make my own uh, ginger ale one day. Mm -hmm. And I looked up a recipe and, and I just blindly went to the store and I bought the stuff. I didn't even think about it. And so I mixed the stuff together and I let it sit for the day or whatever or two when it said to sit in the thing. And, and then I drank some of it and could clearly taste that it was alcohol. There was yeah. some alcohol in it. And I, you know, what? And then I got to thinking, well, dummy. Yeah. <laughs> you, you put sugar in it and you yeah. put yeast in it. What did you think was going to happen? Yeah. I just didn't even think about it. But in a day or two, I mean, you'd have to drink like 50 gallons of that. Right. To, right. You know. It wasn't any good. I, I dumped it out. Yeah. <laughs> it, it wasn't ginger ale like I, like I wanted. I, I was experimenting one time trying to make my own pop. Uh-huh. And I forget what. I don't even remember. It was like red or orange or something. But it was the same kind of thing. Yeah. Like, but you let it sit overnight. And yeah. the yeast made... It's supposed to make it fizzy. Made the fizzies. Yeah. 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 Which I guess, you know, and I and I remember I'm like, oh, there was like a very, very sin of alcohol taste to this. Yeah. You know, but then again, you had to drink so right. much of that. So Right. And back then, a lot of times, like for wine, you know, they they used alcoholic wine to purify water. Right. Generally how it was drank. Right. I mean, so, you know, they would put like one... I, th I forget, I think it was like up to 25% wine, 75% mm -hmm. water. Yeah, they didn't have the purification practices that we do now. Yeah. You couldn't just yeah. go to the spigot and... Yeah. And we've talked about alcohol before on here, yeah. but you know, I mean, drunken... The only thing we can say is drunkenness is prohibited. Yeah. <laughs> so... Yeah, and, and given, the, given the addictive nature of, of alcohol... Uh, it, it ought to be avoided. Yeah, uh, that's just prudent thinking. Yeah, I mean, yeah. You know, we uh, we have we like to make that. Uh, what is that beef? Whatever. Yeah. yeah, and you use a bottle of wine in that. Yeah. And uh, last time we did it, I had 
like maybe a tablespoon of wine. Yeah. Just to try it. Uh huh. And I could tell it. I could tell a difference, like immediately. Uh huh. That I had drank alcohol. Right. <laughs> so. Right. It, it does have an effect on you. It does, and that's that's something I used to teach. Uh, in driving school, uh, having taught driving school for 20 years, that's one of the things that was right there in the curriculum that, you know, that, that uh, was compiled by the state of Ohio and, and, and doctors and so on, is that, is that alcohol has an effect on your body from the very first sip. Yes. It, it may be in, in, indistinguishable, you yeah. know, uh, and depending on your uh, tolerance that you've built up to such a thing, uh, you know, you might not notice it until you get several ounces in you, but but from the very first sip, it has some kind of effect on your yeah. uh, on your brain, on your body, and uh, who knows if that's enough? But but yeah. it's enough. It's enough to it's enough to uh, be a word of caution if you're like me and you have those in your family that uh, have been uh, horribly addicted to substances. Yeah, uh, you know, I have a lot of cousins that I have cousins that died because of their addictions, wow. and um, uh, that scares me. So I stay away from the stuff completely. Yeah, because I don't, I don't want to awaken any of those gremlins. No, exactly, yeah. exactly. And I think a lot of this, like, if you if you don't drink at mm-hmm. all, you know, I think you're more sensitive to. Oh, certainly. You know. Yeah. If you're if you're out drinking six beers every night. Right. You know, my, I remember my dad telling me, he's like, he said he couldn't even get drunk on beer. Uh-huh. Like, he could just drink and drink and drink it because he drank so much. Yep. And, you know, that's, you know, some people are like that. Me, I took a, a, a like, basically a tablespoon, and I'm like, ooh, I, yeah. I can immediately tell that something's different. Yeah. Yeah. So, and when you use it in cooking, it just it burns it just all burns off. just burns off. Anyway. Yeah, exactly. And that is some good stuff, mm-hmm. if you've ever had that. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's excellent. So getting back to the uh, Lord's Supper here. So another another um, uh, scripture we can look at that kind of talks about this. Um, so here's Jesus instituting it. And here we can kind of find an example of it in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Mm-hmm. Like kind of... Put in a little more instruction about it. Paul I knew you were going there. I turned there ahead. Of Did time. you? Oh, <laughs> man, you are good. <laughs> so I turned right past it because you know I was talking rather than looking. Uh, twenty-three through twenty-six. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And we had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Okay, so that brings up two other things when we when we talk about the Lord's Supper. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I... I believe the Catholics teach that when that the wine and the or the uh, fruit of the vine and the um, bread literally become Jesus's blood and flesh. Right. I forget. I think it's 
I can't remember what they call that. It starts with a T. Yeah, transubstantiation. Yes, that's yep, that's the word. Yeah. Yeah. Is that taught here? No, I don't see it. I don't either. Yeah. Yeah, I don't either. I, I mean, um, I think the purpose of this, um, I mean, you you for for one thing, um, I guess we'd have to look it up. I don't have the note in here, but but that you know bread where they took the bread it's 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 literally it's it's literally you know bread it's yes. it's it's, not, it's literally bread it, it's not uh it doesn't in any way point to it being literally the body of Christ i mean it, it, that doesn't even make sense yeah you know the uh when was his blood to be spilled you know it wasn't at that time right and so and, you yeah. know, the, the reason, you know, we don't talk about this a whole lot, but, you know, um, I know since we're talking about the Catholic Church, they they have a lot of things that are like, um, uh, I don't want to say ritualistic, but maybe it is a little bit. Mm -hmm. They have these, there's a lot of like symbolism in, right. in the Catholic worship, but... There is some symbolism in true Christian worship, and mm -hmm. and the fruit of the vine, I think, is it, that's what its purpose is. It's there in remembrance. This do in remembrance. Yeah, me. and it helps us remember. Yeah, and, and there again, yeah. It, well, yeah. I say that. So they believe that when the priest blesses it, that it physically turns into the, the, the right and the blood, and that's why the priest finishes it off. Yeah. Uh, you know, in the end, I've, I've known, in in high school, I used to go to some Catholic, uh, Catholic friends outings with the yeah. church and so on, and <clears throat> and I've known some priests that would pour a little extra wine in that vessel so that they'd have a little extra to drink up in the end. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, not kidding either. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so it's, it is uh, absolutely... The uh, sim symbolic, yeah, uh, of, of the, the the body and the blood, and it's God knowing us because He made us, knowing that you know we learn better when we have something tangible. Yeah, uh, it, it it is good. The ritualistic nature of that is is good for us. Uh, he knows that that will snap our minds into the right yes. perspective there. Um, but again, as mankind often does, we have, in many cases, taken it farther than it was meant to be. Yeah. And, and that's yeah. where you get into the, you know, it's, it's effective. Those ritual, the ritual is effective and God knew that when he established such a thing. Uh, and, uh, it being effective, it can be taken, as we said, too far and people yeah. take that and then they end up. You end up getting a, a horde of people that are just doing this because it's what we do, and they don't yeah. even know why they're doing it. Yeah, exactly. The whole purpose of this was to do it in remembrance of him and yeah. to have that mindset. It wasn't It wasn't to get people to... It was never been God's plan for us to blindly enter worship or, or without our full mind and consciousness. In uh, 1 Peter 2.24, it says that... Uh, that uh, he says, him who judges righteously, talking about Jesus, who himself bore our sins in his own body 
-hmm. on the tree that we having died to sins might live for righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. And the idea is, is, you know, when we talk about the, the, the bread, the body, mm -hmm. you know, Jesus, Jesus was hung on that cross because of our sins. Yeah. Our personal sins. Right. You know, and when we, when we do the things that Jesus has required us to uh, become sons of God or daughters of God, um, you know, we, we enter into that sacrifice. Yeah. You know, but Jesus actually died for the sins of the world. Right. For everybody. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It, for for all eternity. Yeah. He died for me personally, but he also died for everybody else in the world. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that uh, that people, not everybody's going to make that a, uh, a, a sacrifice that they're partaking of. Right. But. Yeah. Yeah, it's a it was a willing a willing sacrifice on his part and, and he's left again, God gave us free will and he's left it up to our will as to whether or not we're going to to join in. Um what about this part where he talks about the to breaking the bread? Do you think there's symbolism in that? Oh the broken body, yeah. Yeah, I do too. Yeah. yeah. You know. And, and and I know uh many, many brethren and, and myself included uh, on the first day of the week, uh, you know, make a conscious effort to break. The yeah, piece I, do of bread. That. I do that you myself. Know, just, just because it's it's stated in there, and and it kind of, again, snaps our minds into the idea that okay, this is the Lord's body was broken for me. You know, yeah, and that's the whole purpose of us coming together to remember. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. All of those things are all wrapped up in all of these things. Another thing he talked about in uh, verse 24, he talked about that it's a new covenant. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah. let's look at Exodus 24, 8. Because I found this is another one of these things I found I thought was interesting. You're just full of new and Don't exciting you. things here today. <laughs> Exodus 24, 8. And Moses took the blood, sprinkled it on the people, and said, This is the blood of the covenant which the Lord has made with you according to all these words. That's the old covenant, right? Mm -hmm. And it and it was it was sealed with blood as well. Right. Right. So so I, again, you know, God has never changed. Right. And uh the same yesterday, today and forever. And there there we have it. Yeah. And that and and especially to those that uh of the the Jewish uh, faith, those that have learned all of those things, that would have a, at that point in time, that would really have a, a, a special uh, meaning to them. Yeah. You know, it does to us too because we can look back and see the significance of yeah. of the blood covenant. Yes. Um, what was the difference between the blood of the blood in uh, Exodus 24 versus the blood of Jesus? Well, it was... Um, the blood of bulls and goats, <laughs> you know. You know, it was it was the blood of, of animals instead of the blood of the, you know, Christ being a perfect sacrifice. Yeah. And uh, again, I mean, bulls and goats were sinless, mm -hmm. but it was only because they didn't know sin. 
I know you're going to Hebrews, aren't you? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't have that passage written down here. You probably. I probably don't. <laughs> but. Uh... Eight six probably right. Yeah, well, you see, we're, yeah. we're shooting from the hip today. But uh, the Hebrew writer mentions the same concept, that, you know, that the, the blood of bulls and goats couldn't take away sin. Right. And, and if you think about this, so bulls and goats or animals, I mean, they, they can't sin because they don't know what God's law is. Right. They don't have a conscience. So it's not a perfect sacrifice that they make. Uh, you found you, it. You know that Charles is screaming at his phone again. Oh, yes. He's yes. saying, <laughs> Hebrews 9.12. Yes. <laughs> yes. So, in verse 11 of Hebrews 9, it says, But Christ came as high priest of the good things to come with the greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands, that is, not of this creation. In verse 12, Not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood, he entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. For if, verse 13, for if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifies for the purity of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from, from dead works to serve the living God? Yeah, and that so, kind of says it all. That old covenant was full of a bunch of dead works. It was. It was, uh, uh, you know, basically a pushing forward, a holding over of all of those things. Yeah. Until the perfect sacrifice came. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. And this is Jesus. So here we go back here. This is Jesus instituting. Yeah. Uh, the Lord's Supper. And it's a new covenant. And it's a new covenant. And and when something when when there's a new covenant that that is established what happens to the old one. The old one has to go away. You it's can't have away. you can't the idea of a covenant is like a uh it's almost like a will. Yeah. You know. Um Hebrew the Hebrew writer also talks about uh the the death of the testator. Right. Right? That's the, the idea is is that um uh John John he'll turn right to that right now. <laughs> but uh but the idea is is that um, you know, when we're alive, you know, we have a will and, uh, you know, and when we die, that's all done away with. Right. And Jesus came to fulfill the old law. And when he died, that was done away with. You got it? Mm -hmm. Oh, no. Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, but, uh, yeah, yeah there, there would be no need for a. Uh, right here, for in verse 17 of chapter 9, for a testament is in force after men are dead, since it has no power at all while the testator lives. Right. So, uh, go, go back to verse 16, this is probably what we're looking at. Uh, for where there is a testament, there must also be of necessity be the death of the testator. Yes, yeah, absolutely. And that, that's something that we understand, uh, you know, as far as, you know, if, if you write a will... And then you alter and you write a new will. You know, that puts the old one out of force. Yes. And, uh, and, and that's something that is pretty standard 
legal stuff. Uh, we, we, we understand that today. But um, there again, you have those that, well, what this means is that all of those things that were required of God's people prior to this new covenant, which was in force after the death of the testators, right. um, all of those things are done away with. So there are many today that point back to Old Testament things and say that we have to keep the same feasts. Uh, and that's just not so. I mean, yeah. just Romans 15.4 says that uh, or says whatever things were written before in the Old Testament, it says they were written for our learning. That mm-hmm. we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have a hope. That's, that's the reason that those things, that we still have those writings. They're for our yeah. learning. Yeah, and, and Colossians 2 at verse 14, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having it nailed, having nailed it to the cross. And right there, you know, gives us the uh, very clear statement that, that those things are nailed to the cross. You yeah. don't need to, to consi- con- consume ourselves with those things anymore. Likewise, in Colossians 2.14, see, John and I have a scripture battle here, <laughs> having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. And we're not battling, because that's the one I read. <laughs> well, is that the one you read? <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry, I thought you wrote it, Ephesians 2.14. No, no. Uh-uh. Because that's another one, John. Ephesians 2.14. I'm sorry, I thought that's what you were reading. As soon as you started reading it, I was like, oh, I'm, I know where I'm going next. <laughs> oh, man. Ephesians 2, on. verse 14. For he himself is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, that is, the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace. Yeah, so, so all, yeah. all these things they say is somewhere big. Yeah. So that old law has been put away, and that's that's kind of what we're we're getting at here. Yeah. Um, John, we're at thirty minutes, but I want to oh, I want to okay. tackle one more thing. Go ahead. So uh, so now we see that the, the Lord's Supper is instituted. Um, do we just partake of it on Easter? No. And Christmas? No, not at all. It's uh, in fact, got to go over to. Oh, I'm in the right place. Well, you go there and I'll go to another for, place. For, for, uh, where are you going? I'm going to X20. So, we think about, you know, when should we partake of the Lord's Supper? Well, I mean... The, the real, um, the only real scripture, or one of the few scriptures, one we one is Acts 2.42, and the other one is Acts 27, 20 verse 7. So Acts 20 verse 7 says that on the first day of the week, the disciples came together to break bread. Mm-hmm. So we can see that the disciples came together on the first day of the week to break bread. Right. And I don't think they're talking about making toast. Right. You know, they're, they're talking about partaking of the Lord's Supper. Because in Acts chapter 2, and verse 42, it uses similar language. 
uh, he says, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Mm -hmm. So it kind of uses the same language, but uh, the breaking of the bread has to refer back to the Lord's Supper. Right. Yeah, and it's not a... Uh... When you look that up too, in the in the breaking of bread, it's not uh, it's it's not the same thing as nourishment. It's not bread for nourishment. It, it is the Lord's supper. Yeah. It is directly connected to the Lord's supper. If you look in 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 Acts two forty six, you you read so continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. You know that. That's particular about, word speaks. It's a different word in the Greek, yes. and it speaks to nourishment. Yeah. So uh, you know, even when you get down to 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 really looking into it in the in in the Greek and and uh, getting your head all wrapped up into it, it really it, it's different from the from the very beginning. It right? is. It's not the, the English language just doesn't do it justice. Yeah. That's, I guess that's the way to put it. We better wrap this up. All right. right. We could yeah. talk all night about this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, the other thing I was, you know, right there in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 26, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup. Yes. So so that's, you know, again, that's kind of looking forward to Acts 2. Yeah. And and the things that, that we see there. Yeah. So, so, so we would say scriptural, scripturally, uh, partaking of the Lord's Supper every first day of the week seems to be what the disciples, what the early disciples did. And it makes sense knowing the short-mindedness of mankind that we would yeah. remember Christ yeah. weekly rather than yearly yeah. or quarterly. Yeah. Exactly. One of the things we should do is when we get together to worship is to remember what we're doing here. Why yeah. are we doing this? Right. And I think that's the, the purpose of, of partaking of it weekly. Alrighty. Well, then... Uh, We'll stop there. Yes. We'll, we'll pick up next time. So uh, this has been Two Beards in a Bible. Thanks for joining in.